Hi, this is Pastor Brittany Isaac from Urban Village Church, Chicago. We are a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. I know that many of you out there are hungry for a gospel message of healing and wholeness, a message that leads to a life transformed by Christ. I hope that this podcast does just that. And if it does, would you please consider making a financial gift that will support this gospel-inclusive ministry? You can do that by going to urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks so much and have a blessed day. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Acts, a story of the power of remembering and storytelling. After they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard it, they raised their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and everything in them, it is you who said by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, why did the Gentiles rage and the people imagine vain things? The, king, the kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers have gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. For in this city, in fact, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the peoples, peoples of Israel, gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look at their threats and grant to your servants to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. The word of God for the people of God. Good morning again. Um, It is uh, uh, certainly with mixed emotions that I'm here today with you as we hold one another and are here with one another, but uh, it's always a real treat and joy for me to come to some of the other locations at Urban Village, so I'm really grateful to be here today with you. One of those locations is in Wicker Park, uh, and I was actually in Wicker Park a few months ago, um, and uh, the reason I was was having a meeting, and I was walking down the street, and I was wearing uh, a hat. a few years ago, I had noticed some bumps on the top of my balding head and uh, went to the dermatologist to uh, ask about those, and uh, he froze them off uh, and then said, you know, you should really be wearing a hat, uh, like all the time, like be wearing a hat, especially out in the sun. So I invested in a fedora, uh, wanted to look a little bit stylish while I was uh, having to wear a hat, and so when I'm out about in the town, I uh, sometimes, uh, especially when it's sunny, I always wear this hat. And as I was walking down the street in Wicker Park, uh, I was about ready to enter into the coffee shop, and this guy yelled out to me. He said, hey. Uh, And I looked at him. I was a little bit taken aback by that. He said, that's a nice effing hat. (laughs) He didn't say effing, by the way. Uh, And so at first, I was a little bit taken aback by what he said, but then I kind of lived into it. I said, it is a nice effing hat. And so I was grateful uh, for that comment, uh, and because I thought it was kind of a humorous thing that sometimes only can happen in Chicago, I posted it on social media uh, to let folks know about this little exchange that I had. And some people wanted to see a picture of me in the hat so that they could affirm that indeed it was a nice effing hat. Uh, And then a really interesting thing started popping up on the Facebook page too. I think we have a screenshot uh, of that. 
So um, at first, my dad responded uh, by saying, your great-grandfather wore a hat like that. And he wrote, he'd be elated someone liked it, though not sure how he would feel about the solid effing phrase. And so that really made me feel good. I have some memories of my great-grandfather. He died when I was about 12 or 13. And so it was great to, to see that. So then not long after my dad posted that, my aunt uh, chimed in with a picture. So that is my uh, aunt, who, my dad's sister, who posted that picture of my great-grandfather with wearing this hat. And that made me feel even better. I mean, I have a little bit of interest in genealogy. In fact, I just got, has anyone done the Ancestry.com? It's like you do the saliva thing. I just got my results back yesterday, so I was really excited about that. Sorry, that's a non sequitur. Uh, but it shows my interest in kind of the stories of my family. So my aunt posted this picture, which I had never seen before. And then my cousin, uh, Cindy's son Tyler, chimes in. I don't know if you can read it from where you are, but he wrote, Am I the only one who wonders where my mother pulls all these pictures out of? So then Tyler's sister Ashley wrote, This one has been on mom's dresser since I can remember. And she says, Apparently, you cannot remember. And Tyler said, Well, me forgetting is not a shocker. And I love so many different aspects of this. I remember this. I love the storytelling that's going on with this exchange. I love that my cousin Tyler has no memory of this picture being on his mother's dresser at all. I love that his sister is like, how can you not remember this uh, at all? And then he's kind of laughing at himself about how the fact, indeed, yes, uh, remembering perhaps is not one of my strong suits. How many of you can relate to my cousin Tyler who says, well, forgetting for me is not a real shocker. Sometimes I think we have that, uh, those memory lapses that we can't quite remember stories from our lives. But remembering is really important and really powerful part of our faith, and I want to talk about that a little bit today. We are now into this sermon series called A Way to Pray, uh, and we are doing this series because a survey that we took last fall at Urban Village, we sent out an online survey to folks. and. We really wanted to help them get a sense of their own faith lives, uh, where they are, what are some things they want to grow deeper in, or what are some things that are somewhat mysterious to them that they want to learn more about. Prayer and wanting to learn more about prayer came up pretty often. So we wanted to do this series on prayer for folks who are new to it uh, and others who may be experts but could also perhaps learn a few things too. So we are looking at this through a particular kind of prayer. Uh, And the church sometimes is called a collect, which comes from the Latin word collecta, which means to gather. So this is uh, often a prayer that is sometimes used at the beginning of worship. Uh, And every week here at Urban Village, we say the Lord's Prayer, which is a prayer that can be helpful for us. But maybe a collect or a structure of sorts might be helpful for you if you're just beginning to pray and you need to know exactly how am I supposed to be saying this. So I think we have uh, something on the screen here that gives a sense of the formula. And this also gives you a sense of the different things that we will be uh, preaching about over the next few weeks. Last week, we talked about the name for God. And so a colic prayer will name God, and we talk about different kinds of names that we might have for God. And then the second thing, and this is what we're going to be talking about today, is this sense of remembering. So we call out to God and use a name for God, but then we also, and we will see this in the, in the Scripture reading from Acts, we remember who God is and what God has done. 
and then we move on to what is it that is on our hearts? What are we asking God for? And then we express our hope from what might happen for God to intercede in a certain way, and then we close with uh, an amen. And so we'll be exploring and unpacking these things in future weeks. But today, as I noted, we're going to be talking a little bit specifically about what does it mean to remember God when we call out to God's name in our prayer. We see a really good example of this in this passage from the book of Acts. So I'm going to talk about that prayer in a second, but for those who may be a little bit unfamiliar with the Scriptures, uh, let me describe what's going on here. So if you ever open up a Bible or if you're on your app, uh, the latter part of the Bible is called the New Testament. The first four books of the Bible, or of the New Testament, I should say, are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then comes the fifth book of the Bible called Acts. John is actually kind of interrupting some things. Most scholars believe that the same person who wrote Luke also wrote Acts. So you can read it as one, telling the stories of Jesus and then also telling the rest of the story. What happens after the resurrection and after the followers of Jesus begin to figure out, all right, what does it mean to be a community? And that's what we're exploring today from Acts 4. So this is near the beginning of Acts. So these followers of Jesus are still kind of figuring out what does it mean to be a community. This man named Peter begins to step forward as a leader of sorts. He tries out a few things. He goes and does some healing out in public settings. And then he stands and begins to teach and preach some people about what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus and who exactly is this person named Jesus. And Peter was actually pretty effective at it, so much so that some of the religious authorities heard Peter speaking, and they weren't thrilled with what he was saying. So they arrested him, and they brought him in front of some other religious authorities, and they wanted him to kind of begin to talk about what is it that you're saying, and why is it that you're saying it? Well, Peter continues on. He's beginning to feel pretty good about what he's doing and what he's about. So he tells his testimony of who Jesus is. He begins to describe how he perceives who Jesus is. And the religious authorities who hear all of this are wondering, and they don't know quite what to do with Peter, so they just kind of let him go. I don't know if Peter was surprised by this, but if you've ever had something that's pretty amazing happen to you, you often will want to tell your friends about it. And so Peter gathers these close followers, and he, I can imagine him saying, you will never believe what just happened. So I can imagine him telling the story about what exactly transpired when he went in front of the religious authorities and beginning to describe what was happening. So again, I imagine all the other followers getting kind of excited about it, and maybe they're tweeting about what had just happened with Peter going out into the city like this. Uh, and then they say a prayer. And this is what we are looking at today, especially in the structure of this prayer. So they first say, Sovereign Lord. So they call out to God. And then when you read this text, they begin to go into this pattern where they first call out to God and then they describe who God is. So in verse 24 from the passage, they say, Sovereign Lord, and then who made the heaven and the earth, the sea and everything in them. They tell the story of who God is. They remember what God has done for them in their own lives. They remember that this is the God of all creation. To remind themselves that this God is with us. This God who created the universe is with us 
now. And I have to believe that they took comfort and strength and hope in that as they reminded themselves, oh, right, this God who has done remarkable things before does remarkable things today. And I think that's one reason why it's important for us to remember that God has done great things for us, that the God of the universe, the creator of all that we are, was there at the beginning, and this God is with us today. And that's why the power of remembering is so influential for us in our own faith lives. So we are drawing to the close of February, so we're drawing to the close of Black History Month. And I don't know about you, but I know on my various social media feeds, I see people who will uh, post pictures or descriptions of notable African Americans throughout the history of our country. And this particular month, I've been reading a little bit about Sojourner Truth. I had read a little bit about Sojourner Truth. I knew a little bit uh, about her, but as I was reading more about her, ex-slave, abolitionist, fiery preacher, I was fascinated by her own story. I was particularly fascinated with this speech that she gave. It was to a women's conference in 1851 in Akron, Ohio. The coordinator of this conference wanted to bring Sojourner Truth in to speak to all of those assembled, to talk about women's rights, to talk about the importance of women in their society. The organizer of this conference got some pushback from some who weren't crazy, perhaps, that an ex-slave was going to be come and speaking, but the organizer of this conference held fast and said, no, she will be speaking. And the text of her sermon that I read this week was so powerful in the ways that she addressed those gathered here today. So as I was reflecting on how to convey this part of this speech to you, I knew that I would not do it justice. So I wanted to invite someone to come and read part of this speech to you. So okay, you can start making your way up. Kay Thompson is a a poet, an artist, uh, and so I have invited her to come up and read part of this speech to you. Good morning. I'm Kay Thompson, and I will be reading an excerpt from Sojourner Truth's uh, speech, Ain't I a Woman? Well, children, where there is so much racket, there must be something out of kilter. I think that twixt the Negroes of the South and the women at the North all talking about rights, the white men will be in the fix pretty soon. But what's all this here talking about? That man over there says that women need to be helped into carriages and lifted over ditches and to have the best place ever. Nobody ever helps me into carriages or over mud puddles or gives me any best place. And ain't I a woman? Look at me. Look at my arm. I have plowed and planted and gathered into barns and no man could head me. And ain't I a woman? I mean, I could work as much and eat as much as a man when I could get it and bear the lash as well. And ain't I a woman? I have borne 13 children and seen most all sold off to slavery. And when I cried out with my mother's grief, none but Jesus heard me. 
And ain't I a woman? Then they, they talk about this thing in the head, well, what's it called? Uh, intellect. That's it. But what's that got to do with women's rights or Negroes' rights? If my cup won't hold but a pint and yours holds a quart, wouldn't you be mean not to let me have my little half-measure fool? Then that little man in black there, he says women can't have as much rights as men because Christ wasn't a woman. Where did your Christ come from? Where did your Christ come from? From God and a woman. Man had nothing to do with him. If the first woman God ever made was strong enough to turn the world upside down all along, then these women together ought to be able to turn it right back and get it right side up again. And the men better let them. Well, obliged to you for hearing me. Now old Sojourner ain't got nothing more to say. There's so much about that speech that I find inspiring, uh, and it's, it gave me, I was, I was off stage and getting, giving me chills hearing Kay read it too, but I love the way that Sojourner Truth remembered in a couple of different ways. She told her own story. She talked about all that she had been through, and perhaps reminding those gathered today all that she had been through, and perhaps reminding herself too that she had plowed and planted, that she had borne the lash, and that she bore children. So reminding those there today, or at that time, of what she had been through, and again, perhaps reminding herself too. But she didn't stop there. She also told the story of God. All of those people who were there at that day many of whom were uncomfortable, resisted that a black woman would come and address them. And she reminded them exactly who God is. She reminded them where Jesus came from, from a woman, just in case they forgot. And I hope that some hearts were at least a little bit changed that day as she was beginning to tell them and retell them the story. So this is one reason why it's important for us to remember what God has done for us in the past, so we can retell those stories. We remind ourselves of who God is as creator, as one for the Christians born of a woman. But we also remember and tell the stories because it tells us that God didn't just act at one time, but it reminds us that God still acts today, too. So in this passage from the book of Acts, one, of the, or one part of the prayer is a quote from Psalm 2. Now, in this particular psalm, as they are reading it, the context for that psalm is that there is some opposition taking place. The psalmist is talking about that we want God as our sovereign, but some of the human kings are resistant to that, and so there are some opposing forces. So the people in this passage from Acts are saying this prayer, reminding themselves of who God is, the creator of the universe, but also saying, this has happened before. 
There have been those who are opposed to who God is in our past. And those who were praying that prayer in Acts are reminding themselves, we are facing opposition today, too. Just like our brothers and sisters, our mothers and fathers in the faith faced opposition and resistance, so we are doing so today. And they are reminding themselves that the God who is faithful and who was with them in those times is with us now. So that we can continue to tell those stories. And now 2,000 years later, we can, I hope, remind ourselves that the God who was faithful at the beginning, that the God who was faithful 2,000 years ago, that God is still faithful and still present and still working with us today. Because all of us in our own ways perhaps see opposing forces that are against us. And this plays out in lots of different ways. We may see, read the news, and we see those forces. I don't know about you, but in seeing these courageous teenagers stand up in Florida and saying that we will not allow gun violence to occur, and so they were making or trying to make steps to make sure that this does not happen again, and we see some opposing forces that are going against them. And I believe that God is with them in the midst of that opposition. And so we see it played out where we see injustice being done in our society. But also perhaps in our own personal lives. We can name the fact sometimes that we feel like somebody is just against us. And we can't quite put our finger on it. We feel particularly lost. Particularly broken. Not knowing who to turn to or where to go. Just something is against us. At our site, at the South Loop site, we've been dealing with a very tragic loss the last couple of weeks. One of our members uh, died by suicide. And so we have been hurting. And as we have been there for one another and mourned that loss, and for myself and going through this grief too, it just feels like, how can this happen? Who or what is against us so that this might or that this would happen? And so we lift up these questions. And I think the same perhaps is true for some of you here today as you want to be there for Brittany and Monica. And as I have sat with Brittany these last few months and and been with her in the times of asking the questions and shedding the tears and sensing that Brittany was feeling like, how can this be happening? What is against us in the midst of this? And again, sometimes we can name those things, and other times it is a mystery, but we feel it nonetheless. So what do we do in those moments? We can certainly lash out. That's understandable. We can ask the questions. We can cry. We can shake our fists. These are all very natural, understandable things to do. But I also hope that in the midst of our prayers and in the midst of our wonderings, we can also remember We go back to the stories of God's faithfulness in our own lives, and we go back to the stories of God's faithfulness in the lives of those who have come before us in the faith, and we call out to God, mysterious Lord, who has been there before from the beginning of creation, who has been there with Peter and the disciples, who has been there in times of sorrow and of loss and injustice, who has been there before. And we begin to share those stories in the midst of our tears and in the midst of our brokenness 
so that we know just as God was faithful before, so God will be faithful for us today, even though it may feel like we are broken, even though it may feel like we are so lost and so lonely, and sometimes it is so hard just to muster the strength to get out of bed in the morning. We get out and set our feet on the ground knowing that God is faithful because God has been faithful before, that God will be with me today. That much I can hold on to because God has been with us before. And so I hope that you can carry that hope within all of you as you are there for Brittany and Monica and Ruby, as you are there for one another. Just as you have been there before, this site has done it before. And I trust and know the testimony of so many of you. And I know that you will continue to be there for her and for them and for one another. You will do so because it's the story of our faith. Because God has been there. And we remember that love and that strength and that power which will be with us today and in the future too. And thanks be to God for that. Would you please pray with me? Lord, you are a God who loves stories. And so we tell the stories of our faith and of our lives, those stories in which we rejoice and give thanks, but also we tell the stories and remember times when we feel lost and broken and remember the pain. And so we pray that you would be with us in these moments that we are feeling that brokenness today. But remind us of your faithfulness. Remind us of your hope. And remind us that you will continue to be with us and for us. And all this we pray in Christ's name. Amen.